Steve Lanham. May contain spoilers. May contain spoilers. On this week's May Contain Spoilers, we're talking lolly, ladies and lemons as we review The Wolf of Wall Street. If you've seen anything over the last week that you have to tell us about, then tweet us at Film Spoilers or email us on maycontainspoilers at hot1028.com. Let's cut it! Let's cut it! Let's cut it! More James and Dust My Blues, taken from the soundtrack to The Wolf of Wall Street. This is May Contain Spoilers. My name's Steve Lanham. I'm Drew Bridger. And I'm JP Stockwell. And on tonight's show, we're going to be looking at Martin Scorsese's The Wolf of Wall Street. We'll also have a brief look at The Invisible Woman, which you've seen this week, JP. And essentially, I know nothing about much. It's something to do with Shakespeare, right? Uh, Charles Dickens, Dickens, actually. Shakespeare... Yeah. They're all the same, really. They Someone, all do writing. Prestigious Someone. writers. They're all smart people. Someone and we're going to talk note. about them. Yes. Uh, so we have reviews of both of those films, mainly The Wolf of Wall Street on tonight's show. This is episode 121. I feel now that we're back, I need to do that all the time still. I think it's good to just refresh the memory with those uh, Just keep those people on the, uh, on the level that we're at. Yeah. Make sure... We need to know those numbers. We're in the hundreds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if you've, seen, if you've seen The Wolf of Wall Street or any of the other um, big films that are out at the moment, of course, we've still got 12 Years a Slave and uh, American Hustle and Inside Lewin Davis and all the other various things that are floating around at the moment. If you've seen any of those films, tell us what you thought of them by tweeting at Film Spoilers or by emailing MayContainSpoilers at Hot1028.com. And also, of course, it was a very sad week because there was the passing of Philip Seymour Hoffman. So I think now is probably a good time to say uh, what's your favourite Philip Seymour Hoffman performance we'll ask that I think I'm tempted to put it out there to start things off with um, uh, Mission Impossible 3 it's an interesting choice and not many people it is an interesting one but I think it's more just because him playing a bad guy is a really cool thing to see yeah, and there's plenty to choose from as well. So your yeah. favourite Philip Seymour Hoffman performance, um, if you don't get involved, then Drew's suggestion of Mission Impossible 3 is going to be the winner. So That's, that's the benchmark uh, right now. We will come back to that We've got to later have better on ones. in the show. Yeah, and of course there'll be a uh, crowdfunding corner and also film news and sofa cinema and everything else that we would normally do in a May Contain Spoilers episode. So all of that is still to come on tonight's show. But let's get down to our first review of the week, which is Martin Scorsese's The Wolf of Wall Street. And we thought because it's, I mean, it's been out a while now, but it's a very long film, a very important film, we thought rather than cram it into last week's show, we'd give it time and space to breathe by doing it this week. And there's plenty to talk about. Yeah. So the story of The Wolf of Wall Street is it's based on the true story of Jordan Belfort from his rise to a wealthy stockbroker living the high life to his full involving crime, corruption and the federal government. Excuse me. Yeah. Is that your car on the lot? Yeah. Is yeah. it Jag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make a lot of money? Yeah, I do all right for myself. I'm trying to put it together. Nice car. Mm -hmm. We live in the same building. I just, I'm not, understand how much, how much money you make. I don't know. 70,000 last month. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Yeah, no, I'm serious too. Seriously, how much money you make? I told you, 70,000. Well, technically, 72,000 last month. You made 72 grand in one month? Yeah. I tell you what, 
You show me a pay stuff for $72,000 on it, I quit my job right now and I work for you. Hey, Paulie, what's up? No, yeah, you're not. Everything's fine. Hey, listen, I quit. <laughs> so, The Wolf of Wall Street stars lots and lots of people, obviously directed by Martin Scorsese. There's Leonardo DiCaprio, Jonah Hill, which you heard in that clip. <laughs> one, of the, one of the few usable clips. Yeah, there, even there's an edit even in that, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, that, that's the thing. Uh, sorry. Margot uh, Robbie. <laughs> uh, Matthew McConaughey, who you heard earlier. Carl Chandler, Rob Reiner, John Bernthal, John Favreau, Jean Dujardin, Joanna Lumley. It's a massive cast, it? and it's a long people. film, so people keep popping up throughout that you kind of forget that they were in it at all. I mean, Matthew McConaughey's barely in it at all, to be honest, but yet he's one of the kind of big stars that, that's used on the poster. But He's the catalyst for almost the rest of the film, he is. really. So, uh, what did you guys think of The Wolf of Wall Street? Well, the only thing I was going to say when JP said about the, one of the usable qu- clips... It's like, isn't this the film that has the most counts of, of the F-bomb? In in all the history, it's got like I've heard five hundred and thirty-six or something. I I Is can't that? remember the official number, but I have heard records being flying around. Really, I I didn't even yeah. particularly notice it to be honest. So I think that's more of a testament to how much you and I swear. We're desensitised to it. All. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, the advantage it has is that it's three hours long, so yeah, it's got you know half it's an got... hour on most other films to, to yeah. squeeze in uh, plenty of swearing, but there is a lot of. Um, Effing and Jeffing. Effing and Jeffing, and also excess and nudity and all that. I mean, of course, it's all based on on this real person's life, and that's kind of what you have to keep reminding yourself. Which is the scariest thing about this film, I think. Yeah, so he is obviously a very... He starts off as someone who's from a fairly normal background and ends up incredibly wealthy, and it's about the excesses that that leads to. And... Uh, I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio has this nailed down playing rich people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's well, sort of yeah. charming rich people like he did in The Great Gatsby, Great Gatsby The Aviator, yeah. lots Absolutely. of other films as well. And even Django. You Django, imagine. yeah. He's, it's you almost, know, he's a rich plantation. It's yeah. almost like he's actually worked up through it because wasn't one of his first... One of the first few roles that he had was on uh, was in Titanic, where he played a poor kid. A yeah. poor kid. So he's actually, you know, he's done well for himself. The richer he gets, the richer he plays. He stipulates so now, I won't play anyone that's poor. That's yeah, my, exactly. My rule. How much <laughs> money do, have they got? I won't do anyone that takes anything less than cocaine. Exactly. And um, there's a lot of that as well. Of course, <laughs> drug taking as well. So there is so much blow in this movie. It's set in the eighties and nineties, and it follows. All all of the excesses of those kind of periods yeah. and it, I think it's an interesting choice for Martin Scorsese to have made because it's not really that much like his other films subject wise in theory because it's based on um, sort of 80s wealth and mm. Wall Street and things like that but it does still share a lot of the same themes as things like Casino and, and the, things like that Goodfellas, Goodfellas yeah. Yeah. what I thought of this film was that after coming out of of the you know the horrific the hor- uh, horrific events that I had just witnessed over the three hour period, um, I immediately came out and I thought this film is basically what American Psycho would have been if he hadn't spent so much time killing people and had played the stock market instead. It's more like the the fun side of of American, of American Psycho. Psycho. It's very it's very American Psycho e. The rants that he goes on, the big long speeches, and his 
intricate and his, you know his thought processes and everything like that it's yeah. very it's very much like that and I think it's important to say you said the horrors that you, you witness I think it's important to say that I, I personally found this very very funny oh I found it hilarious I but I was just like I can't imagine anyone living a life like this uh, no, but for as long do. as they have yeah. and I think a lot of the criticism of the film and this is what I really want to get down to yeah, a lot of right. the criticism of the film is that he does lots of quite terrible things and is quite reprehensible and you're and you supposed know, to and you're supposed to spend this much time with that yeah, sort of character and yeah. he he never really fully gets his comeuppance and people think that's a problem with the film that he never really gets punished for for the way he is he does to a certain extent but not to the level that he probably deserves and i think that's the whole point of the film i think that's the point that martin scorsese's making in fact the character even says it at various points in the film about and pl- oh, yeah. and pl- plus they have to follow you know the real story yeah, yeah, which exactly. is but that what is, actually happened that is what scorsese's saying i think that all these bad things are allowed to happen. He's allowed, anyone with money is allowed to do essentially whatever they want and exploit poor people and, and things like that, and they won't get punished for it. And that's the whole point of the film, mm. because... Rich it, people can't be held responsible for their actions. No, and I, I don't think it's spoiling too much because it's based on a true story, and I think you can pretty much telegraph where the film's going to go, that when he is kind of captured by the police and sent to prison... He even says, I, f- I was quite worried about going to prison, but then I realised I was a rich person in a country where that matters. And, and the prison, you know, you see him playing tennis in at the end. And that, that yeah. says a lot, that the reason this person isn't punished is because we live in a, he li- lives in a society, and probably we do to a certain extent, where we don't punish people for, for being this way. And he, he's allowed to get away with doing all these exploiting poor people and treating people badly, throwing midgets at... Uh, at Vel- Velcro targets. Yeah, and all these that other was, things. That was the first bit of the film. Where I saw that and I immediately thought, I'm going to like this film. <laughs> I'm really... It wasn't It wasn't the midget tossing. I mean, you know, okay, partly it was the midget tossing. Any time people are throwing midgets around in a film, you know, I'm, I'm going to laugh at that. I mean, I'm, I'm only human. Come on. But, you know, it was more the, the dialogue that was going on underneath it. Yeah, and it's sort the relationships. Of the, yeah, between the, between and particularly Leonardo DiCaprio as Jordan Belfort and Jonah Hill as uh, Donny Azoff, who's his, yeah. his friend. That's kind of the the key relationship in the film. And I mean, obviously Jonah Hill's nominated for best supporting actor. Ah, you see the the burning question that I that I have regarding Jonah Hill. Yes, is and I think a, a couple of other people have brought this up. Is he essentially the um, the kind of substitute uh i've completely forgotten his name um <laughs> the uh no it's gone Give it's totally gone it's uh the guy from the other martin scorsese movies joe pesci yes he is, is kind he of a substitute I can joe pesci. Yeah. and i did think that when yeah. i was watching it he's the kind of comic relief yeah he is wise yeah. talking completely um, sort of slightly small character as in uh diminutive height um, but he's very funny and I think all the yeah. characters actually are they're all well drawn and they're all funny in their own, their own reasons and there's lots of characters that come and go and they're, they're all quite memorable and some of them might be just because they're interesting looking like John Bernthal who is plays a a kind of drug dealer who he knew from his time before yeah. he was sort of uh, rich and famous and he is known to most people from uh, The Walking Dead I think and he's got a fantastic yes. moustache in it and yeah. even little things like that it's all it takes is for him to be slightly different from everyone else and, and it makes them memorable and he's not in it that much but you can differentiate between the different characters and there's someone called Rugrat who wears a wig 
and there's lots of very very funny people that pop up and, and disappear like we said Matthew McConaughey who does the sort of humming that we heard at the start of the yeah. show he, he kind of steals the, the scene when he's in it as the kind of big boss who tells him the way of Wall Street and even people like um, Joanna Lumley who I totally yeah. forgot yeah. I knew was in it but totally forgot was in it but she, she but the, for the time that she's in it it's like hang on that, that's, that's Joanna Lumley acting in this mm. and she's, she's really good in this and I think What's the most on? the most Im, um, impressive thing about The Wolf of Wall Street is that for a three hour long film and I've, I've mentioned its length mm. a few times it doesn't feel like a three hour long film no it yeah, doesn't yeah I didn't feel that yeah. you know that that it dragged that much either oddly and I don't really know how long the, I don't think it's that interested in telling you how long the time frame is that it goes through because I think it is quite a long time it probably is mm. about ten years or so and it starts in the 80s and probably ends I'm guessing in the late 90s and it, but it doesn't really bother to tell you what era you're in there's a little bit of the I music think it, yeah I think so by a couple of music it, cues but not yeah. a lot you don't get people in 80s haircuts and no and yeah, really obvious 80s things by the end of it I think it comes mostly up to present day because doesn't it doesn't the well, without giving away too much but the film sort of semi ends in in the place where I think he is now I'm not sure doing 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 the job that he's that well, he's currently in. I think the job that he's doing at the end could be something that he's been doing for a while if that makes sense oh yeah, yeah. I suppose that's but I mean true. essentially yeah. it's almost timeless I mean the 80s is a big part of it because that was the time when people could do this sort of thing and you, there's 80s computers and mobile phones and things like that but it's not really interested in telling you what era this is set in particularly and I think that helps not feel like we're just ticking off time like yeah. you're just waiting to get up to the, the present day I think it does, and and he's quite um, out of it for most of the film anyway. Yeah, yeah. and that's probably also a link to it in that he's it's, unaware of how much time has come and gone. It's so. it's more interested in just indulging in its themes and its um, uh, all the craziness and and as you say the excess uh, rather than necessarily exploring it. It feels it's just right. We're just going to show you all of this stuff and you'll either like it or you won't kind of thing. You kind of get a vicarious thrill out of seeing them doing it, and yeah. you might not necessarily agree with everything they do, but it's still it's quite kind of, funny. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so, yeah, it's almost so unreal that that's what the comedy you're finding, is that like people actually did this sort of stuff, and it's, it's, it's so overblown and crazy. I think it's partly like... Okay, you know that what they're doing is is bad. You know that what's happening to these people in a way is bad, and you know that you know all of the drugs and everything they're taking is is are, are all really bad things. I think what it is is the execution of it that is the comedy behind it. Like yeah. the moment when all of these, um, he, you know, he takes some some drugs uh, which are past their prescription and the lemons, uh, the lemons yeah. And um, they have a delayed effect, and they all kick in at once. That whole twenty-minute bit, I was I was streaming tears down my face. I was laughing, so I think I was the only person that was laughing at that part in the cinema. I think well, everyone else was quite horrified. Oh, I by think it. that's apparently that's one of the the kind of iconic scenes from it that people do find really yeah, funny. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the people in my screening were laughing at that. Yeah, the same. And I think that's a lot down to the execution, some really good performances from. Obviously, we haven't really said, but Leonardo DiCaprio, I mm. think, is brilliant as a lot. A lot of that or. scene is to do with yeah how how slow it kind of goes but you get these quite long shots and he's 
essentially crawling. Yeah. And you have to, you know, it's it's one of those awkward moment laughs that you're laughing because he has to get all the way from one A to B in this really awkward manner. And that's where the comedy comes from that as And it well. can be quite annoying watching other people's kind of drug mm. experiences. But I think it's the way it's handled is very good. And I think probably because it's done for laughs, that makes yeah. it much, much more kind of easy to take as a, a viewer. So, I, yeah, I was really impressed with, with all of the performances in it. And I think particularly Leonardo DiCaprio and, and Jonah Hill. pose a question about Leonardo DiCaprio's acting to you two? Pose away. Did it not seem at certain points in this that Leonardo DiCaprio has taken a lot away from the Jack Nicholson school of acting? I can kind of see that, yeah. Yeah. He does have that um, charm to him. He's also got occasional, like, some facial expressions that he pulls are very sort of... I could picture, if this film had been made 20, 30 years ago, it would be Jack Nicholson playing that role. Yeah, I can... It's kind of hard because you... uh, being the age that we are have had Jack Nicholson as almost a pastiche of himself yeah. for a lot of the time but when you look back at things like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and, and The Shining and things like that then I think yeah you can see that although he does have I think there's something uh, an easier charm to Leonardo I, th- I think I th- yeah I think um, Leonardo DiCaprio still has quite a lot of his kind of more boyish qualities where oh, yeah. Jack Nicholson always seemed to be a kind of Man. You know, manly, Man, yeah. manly guy, yeah. and I guess you know the 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 whole Titanic cloud to to an extent still somewhat looms over uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, but I still, but he he has done you know amazing things, obviously mm. with Scorsese amongst many other mm. people since. I think I, I don't even think of Titanic now, to be honest, and I think of DiCaprio. That's how how. Far yeah. he's kind of gone. Up yeah, now yeah. That I wasn't thinking that during the film, but no, I think no. sometimes you know, a lot of people still see him as that way, mm-hmm. just you know, a few steps removed. But I think he's come a lot way, a long way since then. It's yeah. just I feel that since The Departed, anytime he's in a Martin Scorsese film, much like this, uh, there, there's certain mannerisms that he has that, and certain facial expressions that he has. Uh, that remind me a lot of Jack Nicholson. And there are a few moments where, you know, he's calm and collected one second, and then the next, he's chewing up the scenery. (laughs) He's just going back and taking bites out of it. And I was just like, that's a very kind of Jack Nicholson sort of 180-degree turn in in the acting there. Yeah, I mean, it's not the worst thing to be in the world. No, exactly. I mean, it's not a bad thing. If anything, it's, it's, it's... pretty good yeah. but it's just more of a change in his acting style okay let's give the wolf of wall street scores out of five drew you can go first um well i'm gonna give it four stars um i really really enjoyed this film it's already got the potential to be one of my films of the year and i know that's a long shot because the year's only just started but i did really enjoy this it's only four stars because there were a couple of things that annoyed me one of them I know it didn't really annoy me as much as it as it should, ideally, but um, the length did annoy me a little bit. I mean, I wasn't too concerned about it, but I still felt it could have been shorter. And there were some moments in there with like some really bad 
continuity editing, and I, I don't notice that. As well, and I don't normally notice these things. Do you think I'm I, really bad at noticing them? I wonder if that's to save time. Like he, apparently, he had to get it under three hours well, to get it to three hours. And I also noticed some editing which was a bit shonky. And I wonder yes. if it was deliberate. But I think they, hmm. they in the end, they lit, he he probably didn't want to cut whole scenes, so they went in and took out individual frames to save time. And I wonder if that's the reason why. I've got no idea. I feel but I like it might be, that. but there was just every so often there was some really bad continuity. Mm. Like something had moved and then it moved back and then it hadn't moved. And then it, I was yeah. like. Particularly people facing. Yeah. Um, and their mouths not moving when they cut back to them and things like that. But You'll have to take it up with Thelma Schoonmaker. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So long, then, ti- long time so editor. You had one editor. job, Thelma. <laughs> four out of five from Drew yeah. for The Wolf Wall Street, JP. I agree as well. I'm going with the four stars. I um, Again, why I didn't give it five, I mean, I guess I didn't absolutely love it, but, you know, I, I, I found it thoroughly enjoyable, uh, some really funny moments, and, um, yeah, just all-round strong performances. And, and, you know, I think anyone who who likes cinema and likes movies is going to like something by Martin Scorsese. Mm. And, you know, he, it, it just proves that even at his age, he's still, you know, pumping out really top-of-his-game content. Pumping out the hits. Yeah. So two four-star reviews from JP and Drew for The Wolf Wall Street. I'm going to go for the second week running. I'm going to give it a five out of five. I nice. really, really liked it. And nice. as you say, it's just a great film. And it's what Martin Scorsese does. He makes great films and he gets great performances from people. And it's it's really funny. And, and that, I don't think... If I was to sit there and, and sort of think, what more did I want from it? I don't think there is anything else I wanted from it. And the only thing I was concerned about was the length. And as, as I've mentioned numerous times, it yeah. really didn't feel that, that long. So, yeah. again, I totally agree. And this is already, like, I, I feel like I'm almost letting it down by giving it four stars. I'm really not. I, I wanted to give it five. I just I couldn't because of things taking me out of it and the length mm. a little bit. Okay, so there we go. That's our reviews of uh, The Wolf Wall Street. Four stars and five stars all round. If you've seen it, let us know what you thought of it. Get in touch with the team now. Tweet us at Film Spoilers or email us on spoilers at hot1028.com. And still to come, we've got reviews of The Invisible Woman, we've got Crowdsourcing Corner, and also next week's releases and the film news. Lemonheads and Mrs. Robinson from the soundtrack to The Wolf of Wall Street. You're listening to Make Insane Spoilers, and we gave The Wolf of Wall Street four stars from uh, JP and Drew and five stars from me in the previous part of the show. But now it is time for this. Sofa Cinema. And this week's Sofa Cinema, which are three films that you can watch on sort of freeview terrestrial TV, have been chosen by JP. JP, what have you got for us? Okay, well, I've got uh, two films that, uh, as we always talk about themes, I haven't necessarily gone for a theme, but I guess you could label it as ones you may have missed, you know, ones you uh, may not have heard of, kind of slipped under the radar slightly. Uh, The first one I've gone for is A Beautiful Laundrette, which is um, features a very... uh, an earlier performance from Daniel Day-Lewis. Now, I remember this film because uh, we watched it uh, during uh, film class when I was at school, and it's uh, it's it's kind of a movie about um, 
kind of racial relations, but set within a laundrette, essentially. Right, okay. Um, Can't say that I've heard of it, but I'm sure it's very good. If it's got Daniel Day-Lewis in. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to see, because, you know, he, he's not on, you know, full-on acting mode at this point. He didn't go and work in a laundrette for six months to get into character. <laughs> Not necessarily, no. So uh, that one is on Saturday the 8th of February at uh, 10.30 on BBC Two. The second one I've gone for is, I, I believe it's a French film. Uh, I have seen it and I remember it being French subtitles, so I'm assuming that means it was French-backed as well. Uh, it's called Tomboy. Uh, it's a movie, I, I won't give it too much away because it has kind of a, a, a secret to it, but it's okay. essentially about a small boy who has kind of a secret, essentially. I'll, I'll leave it at that because it, 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 uh, if I go too far into it, it will spoil it. Is it that he's secretly a velociraptor? <laughs> no. Ruined. Okay. ruined for everyone. No, it's ruined, yeah. All right. uh, that's, on got my hopes <laughs> that's on Sunday the 9th, at, uh, again at 10.30 on BBC4. Uh, and then the third one I've gone for is just kind of a tie-in because uh, Spike Jones's Her is coming out uh, next week. Uh, so this is a chance to catch up with adaptation or adaption, if you adaptation, want. Adaptation, <laughs> yeah. The twice starring Nicolas Cage film. Yes. yes. And it has two characters, which is... Uh pretty impressive he's very very good in it actually I, yeah and I, I haven't seen this so uh, I've, I've got to catch up with this oh it's there. definitely definitely worth catching up with yeah. it's, um, it's, it's um, Charlie Kaufman as well so it's yeah definitely a, yeah. a mind yeah. bender too and uh, obviously while we're mentioning Charlie Kaufman why as I mentioned of course he wrote Synecdoche New, New York, York which, yeah, which I have seen yeah I've uh, seen, it's, it's yeah. weird like I've seen most of you know Spike Jones and Charlie Kaufman's other mm. stuff this is just the one that I've missed for, some, for whatever reason okay. uh, so I'll hopefully catch up with that on uh, the 12th Wednesday the 12th at uh, 12.45 AM, so set your recorders on uh, f- for film four, typical film four, of course. Yeah. In the AM, <laughs> in the so, AM, uh, that's beautiful laundrette on Saturday at ten thirty PM BBC Two, Tomboy Sunday at ten thirty on BBC Four, and adaptation Wednesday twelve forty five AM on film four. So that's this week's Sofa Cinema. Still to come on Make Attain Spoilers, we're going to take a look at the Invisible Woman. There's also crowdfunding corner, and also next week's releases and the film news. Steve Lanham, Make Attain Spoilers, part. Radio. You're listening to Make Attain Spoilers. My name's Steve Lanham and with me are Drew Bridger and JP Stockwell. And in the previous part of the show, we reviewed The Wolf of Wall Street and gave it four stars from JP and Drew and five stars from me. So if you've seen it, remember, at Film Spoilers is the place to tweet us or Make Attain Spoilers at top1028.com. Uh, on the email we also want to know your favourite Philip Seymour Hoffman performances obviously very sadly uh, left us on uh, Sunday very very tragic circumstances um, I don't think I asked JP what was your favourite Philip Seymour Hoffman performance or one that stands out anyway yeah well one uh, f- probably most recently is The Master of course yes yeah. yeah definitely I mean I think one of the first ones I saw him in oddly enough was uh, Along Came Polly yeah which I mean I have heard people criticise him in the past, saying, mm. oh, he just he plays himself in every film, essentially. That's really not the case. When you see things no. like Along Came Polly and Boogie Nights and yeah. lots of other examples yeah. where he's completely... I mean, Capote, obviously, as well, which he won an Oscar for. He's, he, he very 
regularly played different sort of characters and completely different. And he is actually himself. really funny in Along Came Polly as well. Yeah. like the opening when you when you're first introduced to him, he kind of you know swaggers in. He's like, "Best man is in the house," <laughs> and then kind of slips over really suddenly right onto his shoulder. But it's like a great weird bit of physical comedy that actually is really genuinely funny. Yeah, I always find that. I mean, I, I, on this show is quite. Uh, obvious for my love of, of Philip Seymour Hoffman and in any film you knew that you were going to get uh, well I, I personally knew that he, there'd be something worth watching like he yeah. would always have an interesting take on a character and I don't know what it is he had sort of a, an easy sort of likability even when he wasn't playing particularly likeable characters yeah and um, it's yeah it's just a real shame obviously we'll still get to see him in apparently the, the next Hunger Games was already yeah mostly finished so he will appear in that and there's a couple of other things as well I think it's the John Le Carre movie that's coming up I forget the name now but it's another adaptation of his uh, one of his novels yeah so I mean it's not the last we'll see of him but a shame we won't get any new new films apparently for uh, the Hunger Games I I thought they'd completely finished with all of his stuff but apparently they were uh, he was very near yeah Mm. they were they were about sort of Seven days yeah. left to go yeah. on the last one or something. Yeah, but I don't really know how much that equates to. But so yeah. they're going to have to write around it now. Yeah, although apparently. I don't think it would be too bad. Apparently, so there we yeah. go. But yeah, anyway, that's yeah. what I've heard. Yeah. Your favourite Philip Seymour Hoffman performances at Film Spoilers or Makeitain Spoilers at Top One Hundred Two Eight dot com. Crowdfunding corner. Oh, hello. Let's move on to you, Drew. With this week's <laughs> crowdfunding corner. Yes. Um, well, in the light of the trailer. Uh, for A Million Ways to Die in the West being released, which, which is the new uh, Seth MacFarlane yep. film. It's a live-action one. So I watched the trailer, and I thought, it's pretty good. Uh, it's funny. But you know what it needs? It needs, a, it needs a fantasy aspect. And then I looked on Kickstarter. Oh, hello, what's this? It's a project called Slingers, right. which is a short fantasy western by a guy named Bryant Francis and this revolves around two bounty hunters in a fantasy set Old West um, setting getting in over their heads on a rescue mission gone south and it's sort of almost kind of like a Bonnie and Clyde kind of deal Um, they're they're sort of mismatched pair Uh, one's a guy, one's a girl and the girl is uh, incredibly good with a gun. She's like the sharpest shot that there is around, but no one thinks she can because she's a girl and doesn't handle like very big guns. And the guy is, um, and and the guy is a fire mage, right? Um, so make of that what you will. But it looks it looks all right for a short film. There's some preliminary effects and stuff like that on their Kickstarter project. So it's not shot yet. This is to kind of fund it and to get it made. Yeah, they've got some bits down. They've got some preliminary special effects that they can show have a look you. at the uh, the B reel, whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I don't know if that is yeah. what they call it. But um, and what what do you get for your money? What what sort of uh, what sort of bunts are they looking for? <laughs> um, what sort of bunts are they looking for? <laughs> nice little learner. Um. Well, there there's a range of things you can get. Um, I think most of the backers will obviously be thanked in the credits of the productions, and uh, the more you pledge, the obviously the greater the um, recompense you get. Obviously, I think the top one is you will be marked down as an executive producer on the short film. You'll be invited to the premiere screening of it, and you'll get a bunch of merchandise and everything like that. 
and I think somewhere in the middle there's a uh, there's a uh, preview copy of the film. Right, and uh, how much have they raised? What's their target? And how much have they raised? Uh, their target is thirteen thousand dollars, which is okay. you know it's it's a reasonable amount. We've had some incredibly unreasonable ones. Yeah on here before but 13,000 is not too bad and uh, they've got 24 days left and they are currently at $3,050 okay so a solid start for Slingers we will put a link to it on our Facebook and our Twitter so make a taste spoilers on Facebook and at film spoilers on Twitter and you can take a look and decide whether you want to send some of your cash into the fingers the gun slinging fingers Fingers. of Slingers (laughs) so yeah that's this week's crowdfunding corner crowdfunding corner now let's take a look at another film which is uh, out. Is it out or was it a preview that you saw? It was a preview I saw and it's out in uh, a week and a day's time as okay. we as we speak. So it's one to uh, to get you excited about possibly. We'll have to wait to see what JP says about it. So it's The Invisible Woman and the story is at the height of his career Charles Dickens meets a younger woman who becomes his secret lover until his death. This is my favourite time. When the day is creeping up on us and we must put in order the chaos of the night, stand guard once more, ready for life. A wonderful fact to reflect upon, that every human creature is a profound secret and mystery to every other. Until that secret is given to another to look after, and then perhaps two human creatures may know each other. Do you not think? Has Mrs. Dickens gone to bed? Some time ago. Uh, yeah. She has a terrible headaches. So The Invisible Woman is directed by Ray Fiennes and uh, stars Ray Fiennes, Felicity Jones and Kristen Scott Thomas. Uh, probably worth pointing out it's written by Abby Morgan as well, who wrote The Iron Lady and uh, Shame. Shame as well. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's obviously got quite a pedigree. Uh, the Invisible Woman, JP, what did you think of it? <laughs> uh, well, I wasn't too big a fan of this movie, to be honest. I I thought it was, um, <clears throat> you know, obviously it's a period set piece, and I just found that, you know, the, the, the kind of stuffiness that you can kind of get with that sort of period drama was very present with this movie i found right. it like when you when you think of the kind of cliche period drama you think oh it's a lot of people sort of standing around in rooms talking calling mm. each other sir yeah yeah madam and, yeah and i th- i found yeah what it, it, like it, most of lincoln was mm. it's, yeah sort of like that it's you know it's just a bit kind of dour and um and i mean it's the the performances are like especially ray fines as you know he acts charles dickens as this very kind of charismatic and polite person and you know a, uh you know a storyteller who in in his writing but in his uh presence as well like in real life he, he you know that there's scenes where they stay up he, he's almost uh performing all the time to 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 his friends and colleagues he's always and on he sounds yeah, like a, yeah. a nightmare <laughs> essentially yeah but i mean uh and the main thrust of the story as you mentioned there is that he starts to kind of form this relationship with uh, a young admirer played by felicity jones and um uh, and it it kind of you know spirals into all sorts of tragedy and kind of and as I say kind of a bit 
dour and kind of depressingness and it's uh yeah it's 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 obviously there's i don't really know too much about charles dickens and uh so maybe there's a lot there's lots of literary references to his works and stuff that i perhaps wasn't getting but the the, the overall story um was it's you know it's just a bit kind of tough to get through and it's strange that um is it, I mean, it's, it's Ray Fine's second film, I think, because it was Coriolanus was his first one, obviously, which is which a, I quite liked actually. Yeah, yeah, Shakespeare adaptation, and he's kind it of it was a lot for, different though. Yeah, it, it was kind of modern day, yeah. and it had a lot of action in it and stuff. But he's but. still in the same sort of ballpark in a way because it's sort of literary and well oddly enough uh because i i remember i think i even reviewed it on here that he was in great expectations yeah. which of course is a charles dickens novel and they do actually mention uh great expectations in this obviously because he's playing the author of that mm. uh and and that reminded me of it and i and i wasn't you know too big a fan of Great Expectations that that particular one that he was in either some uh, who knows maybe I'm not a big Charles Dickens fan <laughs> you're not a Dickens head <laughs> possibly not I think it's summed up by the fact that it's nominated for one Oscar do you know <laughs> what the Oscar is is it costumes <laughs> yeah best costume design which yeah. I'm sure is lovely but that's what a lot of these films seem to be all about so yeah. uh, score out of five for <clears throat> The Invisible Woman JP I'm going to go for two Ouch. Ooh, so yeah. a two out of five if you've seen a preview screening of it you want to get an early review in then let us know what you thought of Get in touch with the team now. Tweet us at Film Spoilers or email us on Make and Take Spoilers at hot1028.com. Still to come on Make Attain Spoilers, we're going to take a look at the big film news from the week and also next week's new releases. So all of that's still to come. Remember, if you've seen a film, at Film Spoilers is a place to tell us what you thought of it or Make Attain Spoilers at hot1028.com with the email. And we also want to know your favourite Philip Seymour Hoffman movie. So we've had suggestions of The Master and Mission Impossible 3. If you disagree or think something else is better, then let us know at Film Spoilers or Make Attain Spoilers at hot1028.com. to put you down I'll see you someday baby somewhere hanging around Diddley and Roadrunner take from the soundtrack to The Wolf of Wall Street and uh, we reviewed that earlier on in the show remember at Film Spoilers or Make It Spoilers at hot1028.com is the place to tell us your thoughts on that film or The Invisible Woman or anything else that you've seen over the last week or so we aren't picky about what films you want to talk about because that's what we're here for yeah. basically yep. film talk film talk that's what we should have called the show damn ah. Ah, I bet no one's thought of that either God, what a blow. Wow. Anyway, let's take a look at some film news because we haven't really done any film news for a while. So what's big in the world of movies? Well, I JP think probably the, the big one, which uh, it's, it's nearly a week old now. I, I was talking about this before we went on air. There seems to be some conspiracy that I'm, uh, that I'm suspicious of. They always seem to have big news stories on the Friday after we go out live. So this uh, was announced last Friday, and it's, of course, the Batman versus Superman news uh casting that Mm. uh jesse eisenberg is going to be um lex luther and uh jeremy irons is going to be alfred pennyworth Mm. and i can imagine that people were 
upset about this. I mean, people tend to well, be... Well, especially from the Jesse Eisenberg yeah. thing. I think, I think m- m- most people, it seemed to be most people were focusing on that, and then when it came to Jeremy Irons, they were like, oh yeah, I can see that working. But isn't it just because, essentially, he's not bald? If he and, was it, bald, and he seems a bit young. But if you're yeah, going yeah. for a younger it's the version... It's young thing, yeah. but like... It's, it's it's more just that you kind of don't picture someone like Jesse Eisenberg taking on a role with that kind of gravitas behind it because Jesse Eisenberg has always played sort of introverted characters and Lex Luthor is not really what people imagine as being an introverted character. Isn't he like a, a billionaire genius? I yeah, mean, we. I think it's safe to say that that Jesse Eisenberg has played well, a played version that, of that. A version, that, a version. I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that is what a slightly Aspergersy version of. And that, most and, <laughs> and, and, and most people's defence of Jesse Eisenberg is that that's obviously the direction they're going, and I believe that there have been more recent interpretations of the comic book character that have him more towards Superman's age and more of yeah a kind of evil genius of that type I'd rather see that than him just pun- them punching each other through skyscrapers again so yeah. it's, but to be honest I, I'm not that kind of bothered by it I never am with these sorts of things you have to wait and see what happens I yeah. suppose but then I don't have an, an attachment to the to the, the, the kind of comics no, so exactly. I don't know but uh, what else is big in uh, the world of news well uh, this next one this story seemed to be one particularly aimed at me because uh, I was <laughs> I was quite uh, it's conspiracy I was quite surprised and um, happy about this is that uh, there's some Jurassic World news of course the new uh, Jurassic Park movie uh, is it was announced that it's going to be shot on film and partly on 65 millimeter yeah, which is good. I mean, for a lot of people, you're right, they probably wouldn't notice the difference. But there seems to be a little bit of, of movement on these things because for a long time there was the talk that it was going all digital. And now, uh, because Christopher Nolan wants to shoot Interstellar on film, he's been allowed to shoot it on film. And certain directors seem to be allowed to get away of it. And I'm, you know, I can't even remember who the director is of Jurassic World off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, Colin, uh, I can't remember how to say it. It's Trev, Trevorov, That's I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he's not the sort of person who could probably pull rank like uh, Christopher Nolan can. But he's got Spielberg behind it, I believe. Exactly. So. That's almost certainly the reason why. And if you go to Uncle. Spielberg yeah. and say I want to film it on film I'm sure he will fight the uh, the corner for his franchise essentially so um, I mean it seems like it could be a good thing and uh, while we're quickly mentioning that I should also mention the news that today Noah was uh, announced it was going to be shot uh, uh, retrofitted to 3D ah, and the interesting yes. part of it was that we're not going to get it in 3D it's for other parts of the world really? we're going to get it in 2D America's going to get it in 2D and a lot of Europe's going to get it in 2D but kind of China Russia places like that they're worried about how they're going to sell it to people so they're going to use the idea of it as a spectacle to, right. to kind of get the ticket numbers up, but so basically places that aren't Christianity yeah. related, anywhere that doesn't get pumped by the idea of water and Noah on right. its own, we get to know that hey, at least it's going to be sort of on a different plane of vision, and yeah, that, the water be, marketing because here we see a lot of water up close anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, especially <laughs> recently. Yeah, yeah. we don't need we don't need to be reminded what water looks like. <laughs> yeah. So. We've, yeah. got, we've had our we've, we've almost had our version of the Noah story happen to us <laughs> yeah, over the last yeah. few weeks so I we saw don't... someone canoeing to work yeah. Yeah. so we don't so. need to see that 3D when we go inside yeah exactly two of every animal that's what I'm worried about I'm doing later so yeah. uh, let's have a look at next week's new releases what's out on DVD and Blu-ray there's
there's quite a few stuff, so I'll uh, whip through these. Uh, we have Captain Phillips, uh, you know, great, great film. Yeah. yeah. Um, the documentary Metallica Through the Nether. Yeah. Filth, Turbo, The Weekend. I think that means The Weekend, I believe. French, That's yeah. probably that, yeah. Uh, I know my French very well. Uh, enough Said, How I Live Now. And uh, there's also some new editions of Argo, the declassified edition, which is a, an extended version and lots of uh, behind-the-scenes extras mm. and stuff. And okay. there's also a dictator's cut of Iron Sky, the uh, the sort of cult Nazi on the moon movie. Which we were yeah. very familiar with. We were big backers of that on, uh, yeah. on this show. It wasn't very it good, though, out. if I remember right. I was thinking that the other day when they announced the sequel. I was thinking, I really liked it in theory, but I didn't like it that much in actual. But this this yeah. new Dictator's Cut is uh, apparently, it's, it adds a whole bunch of minutes onto that. It's <laughs> not just the, the, you know, the old five-minute, you know, like a comedy movie often mm-hmm. does a, an extend cut. It's a you know, it's it's taking it into a whole new realm of running time. I can't remember the specific numbers now, but well, I'll wait to pass judgment <laughs> on it. So yeah. that's uh, DVD and Blu-ray releases in cinemas next week. It's quite a big week. What uh, what can we expect? Fairly big, yeah. We've well, we've got RoboCop, the uh, yes. the remake. Uh, we also have Dallas Buyers Club. Yep, reconnaissance there. Uh, some smaller movies. We have The Patrol and Pros and Cons but spelt prose as in a lyrical prose. Nice. And then uh, there's also the uh, official release of Mr. Peabody and Sherman animated movie. One for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> and if, for if, people that are yeah. easily amused. If you want the uh, an- another one for the kids as well, there is, of course, uh, previews of this sat- on this Saturday and Sunday of the Lego movie as well. Which we are very excited for. Well, I, I am, am, yeah. I'm, kind of speaking, I'm yeah, crazy on excited. Behalf, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Because I'll probably... It's check like it out the week it, pro- it properly comes yes, out we yes. will review it the week yeah. it properly comes out but next yeah. week we will have a review of Dallas Buyers Club and maybe Robocop if we get to uh, track that one yeah. down as well but if you see either of those films then uh, get in touch with us at Film Spoilers on Twitter or make and say spoilers at hot1028.com on the email if you missed anything on this show you want to listen to any of our previous shows we got a review of Inside Lewin Davis on last week's show and American Hustle you can listen to the podcast just type make and say spoilers podcast into your search engine and you will be able to find a link to it and there's also a link to it on our Facebook page as well but until next week when we'll be back with a whole new raft of reviews and fun uh, it's (laughs) goodbye from me it is goodbye from me and sell me this pen